You're tuning into Edinburgh Chi Alpha's TNL, a place for community and growing deeper in your faith. Join us each week as two people sit down to discuss difficult questions found in Scripture. This is Q&A with Jesus. Can we get some celebration for being in person? It's been, I think, 11 months, right, since we've been in person. So I'm super excited to be here with you. Um, I think Michaela resonates, correct? Yes, we are both super excited to be here with you. Um, and like Bailey was saying, we're about to continue our series called Q&A with Jesus. So it, it's we're going through the Bible and seeing when people ask Jesus questions or when Jesus asked other people questions. And we're going to um, have these conversations just like Jesus had with people because like he was a person here on earth. And so we want to talk through those things. And um, just realized I need my Bible. Give me a second. Okay, so um, today's question, who is my neighbor? Um, we're talking about how to be kind to people, right? Um, and so this has been on my heart for a really long time, just because of like all the crazy things that have been going on in 2020, right? We can all vouch that this has been a crazy year. Thankfully, we're 2021, been going pretty okay, I think. Cross my fingers, probably shouldn't have jinxed it. Um, but like, when it comes to the pandemic, like we're all familiar with that. Um, and we can, like, there's been so much tension there, right? Like we hear people talking about like the quote unquote other side, and it's either people living in fear or the other side is the reason that we still have to be going through this. Cause like, they feel like they're not listening. Um, and whether it's the pandemic or the wildfires that happened in California or the economy, like it seems like nobody's ever confident in the decisions that leaders are making. They're always upset with the leaders. And then some leaders passed away this year and people were rejoicing over it. They're like, yeah, they're finally out of um, their position. Like they're so thankful for it. Um, there were mass shootings. There were riots. Even the bugs got in on the action. There were murder hornets. Like what the heck? Um, there was racial injustice, police brutality, and danger, and those things seemed as common in the headlines as idiot, stupid, and lie were in the comments on Facebook, right? For months, people lived in fear, not only of who would be our next president, but they lived in fear of the people who might vote for the person that they didn't think should be in office. And so we all ask this question one way or another. Um, we ask it when we uh, blame a certain group and, and we say, like, we blame them for their ignorance. Um, we ask this question, who is my neighbor, when we attack someone's character instead of just, like, discussing their actions, you know? We even ask this question, who is my neighbor, who should I love, when we see somebody else attacking somebody's character and we don't do anything about it. Like, we ask this question, who's my neighbor, when we just say them instead of us, right? Who is my neighbor? Who should I love? And so we're going to look in Luke 10. Um, we're going to start in verse 25. Um, because we're not the first time, this is not the first generation that people have been asking this question. And so it says in Luke, 20, Luke 10, starting in verse 25, Behold... A lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so we're going to really break down this chapter. So to start, 
this lawyer, this really smart guy, really respected in his community, um, he was saying, what do I do to inherit eternal life? But he wasn't talking about like um, heaven or hell, like eternity. Um, what he's talking about in this context is meant for like the now, abundant life now, like the kind of quality of life that we can live with Jesus now. So it's super important to differentiate between these two, um, the fact that we're talking about abundant life and not salvation. Um, salvation is solely dependent on God. Um, there's nothing you can do to earn it, and we're all equally broken people who don't deserve God's grace. Um, so it's important to remember as we go through this, that again, we're not talking about how we can earn God's love or how we can be um, more loved by God, because that's already as much as it can be and not influenced by who we are. Um, so just going forward, remembering salvation is from Jesus coming down, um, fully God, fully man, and wanting relationship with us and wanting us to come back to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this lawyer is asking, what do I do to inherit and to achieve kind of like this abundant life? And so we pick up in verse 27, and Jesus is answering him, and he says, um, I'm sorry, um, the, the lawyer responds. He says, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, and you will live. Okay. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Um, and so, like, he says, love Lord your God, love your neighbor. And as soon as my mind goes there, I'm like, oh, shoot, like, I don't do that too well. Like, my mind goes to all the times that I've failed this, that I haven't loved people well. Um, because if I'm going to love people the way I want to be loved, um, but then I think about all the times, like I haven't answered phone calls from friends because I'm too tired, or I haven't answered texts. Um, times that I've said hurtful words, times that I've prioritized things that I felt needed to get done over time spent with people. Um, and that's not the way that I want to be loved. But so often that's the way, or that's the only love that I show to other people. And so I imagine this lawyer sitting there and he's like wanting to justify himself, thinking the same thing, thinking of all the times that he's failed. Um, and he wants to justify himself because he hasn't been doing that. And another version of the Bible says that he was looking for a loophole because he wanted to feel better about himself and about all these um, mistakes that he's made. And so at least I feel like sometimes I do better loving my family or loving like my three closest friends. And so I think in in this lawyer's mind, he's thinking, okay, well, depending on how he just or how he defines neighbor, like maybe I've been doing okay. And in reality, this man wanted a list of do's and don'ts because sometimes we complain about the rules in the Bible, but aren't they easier? Isn't it a lot less messy to have black and white rules than it is to just say, well, love your neighbor? And I think that's what this man was looking for. Because Christianity is not just about, not about rules. It's about a relationship. And in the same way that God, as our father, just like a parent knows what's best for their children, God knows what's best for us. And so he guides us into that. But when he says things just based on relationship, what does that mean? And so I think this lawyer was looking for rules. He was looking for a list of do's and don'ts to let us know 
that can let us know exactly how we're doing. It can let us know how close we are to achieving perfection, right? Um, but here, Jesus just said, love other people. And that, it wasn't specific enough for this guy. He wanted more. So instead of stepping into this relationship, into the grace of salvation that Michaela was talking about, um, this man couldn't deal with his own faults. He remembered all the times when he didn't pick up the phone when a friend called. He remembered all the times when he um, wasn't there for a friend who needed him, who, when he said something hurtful. Um, and instead of accepting his faults as a gateway for God's grace to come in, he said, I need to justify myself. Because recognizing when we fail actually gives, God, gives God's grace room in our life. And he was having so much trouble accepting this. And so we pick up in verse 30, and Jesus replies, and he starts telling this story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest, so a religious person at the time, was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and same thing, ignored it and passed by on the other side. And so maybe at this point, the lawyer's like, okay, like that's kind of what I've been doing to my friends. Like when I see the, the needs in their life, I've been passing by on the other side. And there's kind of two options here. Maybe he like felt justified. He's like, these great religious leaders have been doing the same thing I've been doing. Like these people who I'm supposed to be following, following, they're doing the same thing. So maybe I'm doing okay. Or he could have seen the fault in this. And so when he saw the error in their actions, maybe he started making excuses for them, right? In his mind, he's like, these great people, what's, why weren't they helping? Um, and so the priests and the Levites at that time, they had to remain what's called like ceremonially clean. So like if they touch something like blood or God forbid this person died, like if they touched the dead body, they would be unclean. And so maybe he started making excuses like they had to protect their reputation or, or they had to stay clean for their job. And so then I'm thinking as I read this, what are the excuses I make for not helping people? And I think one of the biggest things for me is like, I see somebody's need and I'm like, oh, I'll pray for you. It's like on Facebook, like one like is one prayer. <laughs> That's kind of just an excuse most of the time. Um, and for me, like I always try to read people's minds before I help them. Like I grew up um, around a bunch of like strong, independent, don't need no man type of women. And like the guys were like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of men. And I'm so thankful for, for the independence and the confidence that that's instilled in me. But then it makes me, like, I've had to evaluate myself. And, like, when I see people have needs, I'm like, well, what if, what if I offend them by helping them? And I start to make all these excuses instead of just helping them. And, and I look at, like, the time that I'm spending. And I think, well, I have, I have so much, like, important things to do. I only have a little bit of time to help them and they probably need more than that. So I might as well just, just pass on and let somebody else help them. Like those are the excuses that start to roll through my mind. Yeah, those are really good, super relatable. And I feel like some of the excuses that I used um, 
is trying to like weigh the value. So like maybe I think that they're not as deserving as my time, as my time is, or um, I think that maybe I'm a better person than they deserve my kindness. Um, I work in a hospital <laughs> as a nurse's aide, and I have to like help people with like eating and bathing and getting changed and stuff like that. Um, and while I'm trying to care for them, it's more often than not that I um, find myself being talked down to or people just being mean. <laughs> and I know in those moments, it's especially hard to try to care for those people um, because you're like, well, they're not a nice person. So they don't deserve my kindness. Or um, sometimes we have prisoners come into the hospital and like my first thought, like just my first human thought is like, what do they do? Like, do they deserve like all this time that I'm pouring into them? Like, should I treat them normally? Like, what have they done? Um, so I think one of the excuses that I use would be definitely trying to think, do they deserve it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as soon as we get wrapped up in these excuses and this, well, maybe they did it for this reason, or maybe they couldn't help for this reason, Jesus comes back in and he completely flips the script on us. So we start back up in verse 33. It says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and, and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So Jesus asked, asks the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer responds, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And so as soon as we start, to, we start to play with these excuses and separate them from us and try to justify ourselves, Jesus flips the question because it's not about figuring out who our neighbor is, who to love, who to take care of. It's about becoming a neighbor to them. And to understand what that means, we really have to look at the historical context um, and, and who, who Jesus was speaking to at that time and who the Jews were to the, Gent to the, to the Samaritans, and who the Samaritans were to the Jews. Yeah, so Jesus was really intentional, go figure, about <laughs> using these groups of people. Um, so the Jewish-Samaritan relationship was not good. Um, the Jewish saw them as unholy and saw them as like unpure, basically. Uh, they would burn down the Samaritan villages, and they would pray that God would not answer their prayers. So obviously, they did not like them. Um, not only that, the Samaritans would scatter human bones in sacred places, thus desecrating them, making them unholy, and they were known to harass Jewish, tra Jewish travelers. Um, so we can see here that there's a lot of tension between these two groups. Um, so when Jesus uses this, we, we very obviously see that um, he's trying to make a stand on, on how they view each other and how they related and saying, well, just because you have these ideas of this group of people, um, they're still people. <laughs> yeah. And so to bring that kind of into like a modern day context, I want you to like kind of mix in your head the way the, the stereotypical Southern white American of the 1950s might have viewed a person of color. And then kind of mix that with the way militant patriarchies treat women. That's how the Jews and the Samaritans viewed each other. 
And so this story that Jesus is telling kind of has the same feeling as if Jesus told this parable to an American soldier like two days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and he called the story the good Japanese. This story has the same feeling if Jesus told this parable to a proud Nazi in 1944, and it was titled the good Jew. These people didn't like each other. And so there's a a social psychologist by the name of Christina Cleveland, and she's analyzing these different dynamics, and she says this about it. In the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus wisely addressed our tendency to cling to rigid and oversimplified categories. By showcasing the ways in which the Samaritan hero violated the Jews' expectations, Jesus was drawing conscious attention to an inaccurate Samaritan category that had probably gone unchallenged for generations. And in doing so, Jesus was asking his listeners to reevaluate their Samaritan category. And similarly, I think he's asking us to reevaluate our rigid categories of different groups. And so I want you to think tonight, like who, who in your life or what group of people is maybe hard to see as the hero of the story? What's the group that you don't want to be kind to? What's the group that you don't want to see being kind because then maybe you have to like them? Can we reevaluate that? So I think um, as I was processing through this, I was thinking, how do we get over this? Because I feel like we have this in our day-to-day life often. Um, Even if it's minor, like you see that somebody dressed differently than you, and you're like, they're dressed weirdly, what are they doing? we have these ideas of people in our mind, but I think one way to really um, even the playing field is bring it back to the cross. Um, like I said earlier, that all of us are undeserving of God's love, and all of us are broken people. Um, it doesn't really take a whole lot of <laughs> thinking to realize that we're not perfect. Um, so I think remembering that and remembering that Jesus isn't calling us to some crazy um crazy act here. We are called to show great love to undeserving people because we ourselves are undeserving people who have been shown great love. Um, So we are equally dead and lost to God. We've rejected him. We've done bad things to one another. Um, And if we think about Jesus, he loved us so much even when we rejected him and we were not good people. And he came down and died for us um, and just out his love to us. And if we think about that, what he did on the cross, that's exactly what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to lay down our life, lay down our opinions of other people um, and what we think and make it about loving others and less about like what we think about people. Mm-hmm. I love that, what you said, that we are called to love undeserving people because God loved us when we were undeserving. You guys like put that in the chat, like remember that tonight. Like that's why we, that's what we're called to do because that's what Jesus did to us. And it's not about seeing everyone with rose colored glasses. Like it's not about ignoring people's faults. Like it's about one self-evaluation of like, okay, why, why is this difficult for me to love this person? They're a human being too. And then second, um, it's about becoming a neighbor ourselves. Like we don't have neighbors we become neighbors. 
This is how Jesus switched the question entirely from what the lawyer was asking. We're so quick to judge in today's culture. Like we're so quick to blame others for all the problems. Okay, maybe other people cause problems, but like we've made mistakes too, right? We've we've been wrong in the past too, right? And we're so quick in, in like this cancel culture to just shut people out. But Jesus flips the question because it's not about us. Taking care of people, being a neighbor to other people is not about our preferences. Michaela talked about how like we're all equal at the cross. And so Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament, he talks about that in his letter to the Philippians in chapter two, verses five through eight. He said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so in loving our neighbor, we have this beautiful opportunity to be like Christ, when we, when we cancel some in this cancel culture, um, we're, we're pushing people away. We're pushing people away that Jesus came to save. People just like us, we're pushing them away. And so just, this is why Jesus flips the question to who should I love from who should I love to who can I love? Who can I love? He flips it from who is my neighbor to who can I be a neighbor to? And it's kind of implied that the injured man was Jewish. And that would mean that the Samaritan was a neighbor to someone who had even probably despised him and treated him badly in the past because he saw a need and he said, I'm going to choose to love this person. So I think um, as we think through these things, thinking practically about it, it's real I feel like it's really easy. Like I, I'm thinking, what are some needs that we see today? I think one extreme um, example is like poverty that we see when we see people outside of a store or on a street corner begging for money because they don't have anywhere else to go. Um, that's a really extreme example. But um, how many times, and I know I'm guilty of it, that's why I've used this, <laughs> is like, do you avoid eye contact and look the other way? and um, try to kind of ignore it and push it to the side. But how easy is it with all that we have today to help them in whatever way that looks like? Like a very tangible need of um, helping somebody get food or clothing. Um, another thing that I think um, is super relatable for today's times is community. Obviously, we are all six feet apart and um, we can't really hang out like we used to. Um, there's a lot of people that are really lonely and really just want a friend. And how hard is it to reach out to someone and say, hey, how are you doing? I know it's kind of hard. Um, again, I say this with all transparency, but I'm also super slow to do that. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, are they going to think I'm weird that I'm reaching out to them? Or <laughs> are they going to be like, who is this? Like, they're not even that close. But also to be put in those shoes, how often do you feel like touched and like cared for when somebody reaches out to you? Um, 
So it's just look around you in the different ways this week, like of how you can look at the needs that are there, just all around you. I love those examples. Because um, just like in the man in the story, just like the man in the story, um, we can be a neighbor to the people with needs right in front of us. Um, and if you guys are on our social media, you saw us talking about the Chi Alpha is and that love finds a need and meets it. That's what love does. Jesus saw a need in our life and he came to meet us. Being a neighbor is about recognizing other people's needs. Um, so we have to stop trying to ask who to be kind to. Are they deserving of my kindness? Are they deserving of my love? And we just be kind. We have to stop thinking about like an us and a them and, and a who's right and who's wrong. We just be kind. We, we love them by seeing their needs and saying, I can fulfill that need in your life. I can help. That's how we can be a neighbor. And so I want to take a step back for a second because Jesus says, um, love, love people like you love yourself, right? And so one time I was teaching on a similar passage in a life group that I had because this is not the only time this something similar like this is said in the Bible. Um, but we were teaching on a different passage. And, and so a girl comes up to me after and she says, but like, what happens if I don't love myself? And this was like a, a serious question for her. Like she had been through the, like the dark night of the soul. Like she didn't know how to do this because she didn't have love for herself. And so that kind of caught me off guard. But I want to break that apart today because it's important. And so primarily... Like the first thing we need to know is like, this is, this is primarily a figure of speech, right? He's not saying there's degrees of love. So like, if I only love myself this much, I only have to love other people this much. He's saying love people. He's saying meet their needs in the same way that you would want your needs met. Um, like if your car breaks down on the side of the road and you want somebody to come pick you up, fulfill that need for other people. If you're hungry and you want food, fulfill that need for other people. This is primarily a figure of speech, just saying love people and meet their needs. Um, but I also want to talk about um, how we can love ourselves because I realize that's difficult for some people. I understand that. Um, and so we have to believe about ourselves what God believes about us. And we don't have to, we don't have to ignore failures. We don't have to be puffed up by success but we have to know that the only true definition of us is beloved. We are beloved. You are beloved. And so we don't, like, if I think that about myself, it's not because I'm ignoring my shortcomings. It's actually because I am so acquainted with my shortcomings. I've spent enough time with them to invite Holy Spirit to be with me in the midst of them. And for me to believe that I'm beloved, it's not because I can sit and admire my successes and I think that like I'm all that. It's because I've spent enough time with them to actually see that they're gifts from God and works of, of the Holy Spirit in my life so I can give those good things back to him. And so it, it evens the playing field. And like if, if I look at my name in the dictionary, if I look at your name in the dictionary, the only thing fitting to be next to it is beloved. Because we're not defined by what we do. We're not defined by the good or the bad things. I only know that this is because of Jesus. And so, so he defines me, beloved, 
And so I know he defines you by the loved. And so I'm going to treat, I'm going to choose to treat other people like that, loving other people like myself, because I know how I'm loved. And so um, I was listening to a sermon to kind of prepare for this, a sermon by Matt Chandler. He is great if you ever get a chance to listen to him. Um, and he was talking about the, that there's no sixth man award in Christianity. And so I don't do sports, so I had to look it up to make sure I know, knew what he was talking about. But in the NBA, there's a sixth man award. And it's for somebody who's not like a first string, who doesn't play every game. They might not even play every other game. But when there's an injury and they have to step up, they do great. And so they kind of sit back and don't do much for most of the season. Imagine I was saying that the, that's not how we receive rewards. That's not how we receive abundant life in Christianity. We have to step up. And so today I want to challenge you to, when you see somebody's need this week, don't think that it's somebody else's responsibility. You are not the sixth man. You are the first string player. And God knows you. God knows your fears and he knows your failures. He knows your brokenness, but he has a habit and a pattern of trading brokenness for mission. So when you see a need this week, this week that is your mission. When he pl- what he places in front of you is your responsibility. That is our mission this week. That's your challenge going away from here. And like with that, like sh- you have the opportunity to show people that God is near to them and loves them because we can be willing to get like knee deep in the muck of people's lives because we know the muck in our own life. Like we don't have to be afraid of that. And when we show people that God is near to them and loves them because we're near to them and we can love them, like that's going to show God's love. And this doesn't mean running after every single need in the world that might present itself. Right? Like the Good Samaritan didn't set up a hospital for weary travelers, but he met the need in front of in front of him. And that's what we can do this week. Um, social needs, um, economic needs, um, physical needs, and spiritual needs. We have the opportunity to be like Christ and represent him when we meet those needs. The world would be a changed place if every Christian attended to the sorrows that were just plain in front of them. The world would change. And we have to be so careful to not see people as an other group. That all, all, they're, they're not loving people like we're supposed to love people and, and keep differentiating. It's us. We're people. We're beloved by Christ. And we have the opportunity to love people as well. So I guess, thank you so much for having me up here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think the opportunity is huge. The fact that this isn't something that we have to strive for, but that we get to be a part of. Um, So why be neighborly? We've talked about it a little bit. Um, It brings healing. We very obviously see in this story that, that the man that was traveling who needed help he was healed. Um, he was cared for and he was actually physically, his needs were met um, and it brought a fullness to him. And when we talk about being neighborly to people, it helps the people that we're serving. 
helping people helps people, um, which makes sense, but it needs to ring true in our heart that like these are people just like you and me would want our needs met. Um, and I think it's important again to, to differentiate this is not eternal life, that this is abundant life, that we don't have to go love people hard so Jesus will love us more or that we can get a better reward. Um, Jesus already loves us, and that's why he died for us, and we don't have to work for that. Um, this is just a way to live fully. He knows what's best for us, and so that's why he kind of said this to us. He knew um, what was going to fulfill us. Um, so when we think about it as well, it helps the person that we're helping, but it also helps us. Um, how many times have you helped someone, you're like, oh, wow, like, that felt good to care for somebody. And like, that feels good to see them better or to see them smile when they were sad. Um, part of the idea of this abundant life is that it, it fulfills us. Like, this is our purpose, is, is to love God and to love people. And that's why we're called to it. Um, so again, this shouldn't be like this huge chore, just to see people in need and, and just reach out to them in whatever way that is for you in that moment. Um, we get the opportunity to partner with Christ in this mission of radically loving others as he's loved us. So yeah, as we kind of step forward into this new challenge this week, um, I'm just gonna like pray a blessing over us that like we're not alone in it um, and God's gonna be by our side. So if you would join me in prayer. Lord, we're so thankful that you loved us first and you love us still, even in the midst of our mess and our mistakes and the times that we've hurt you, you love us still and you continually pursue us and meet our needs, Lord. And so God, as we go out through wherever we're gonna be this week, Lord, whether it's in classes or, or at work or at home, um, or in ways online and, and over the phone, God, wherever it is, Lord, bring to our attention needs that maybe we would have looked over before. Um, even if they're people who we might not know that well, or maybe we don't get along with, God, help us to, to love them and to see them as beloved. God, help us to, God, to love people like you have loved us, um, to, to really go against um, all, the, all the conflict in the world today. Lord, we don't have to fall prey to that. And so we're asking um, that you would use us um, to really cause a shift in the culture. God, to love people even when they don't deserve it, um, because you loved us when we didn't deserve it. And so we give you all the glory for it tonight. I thank you again for letting us be with people. It's your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>